This is episode 99 of the Rising Man podcast with Sarah Poet. It is the difference between men and women, not the sameness that creates the tension and the delight. What's up, Rising Man tribe? How y'all doing out there? I'm Jetty Azuma, your host and creator of this show. I hope you're feeling good after the Thanksgiving holiday, like really good, gearing up for winter season. I mean, it's it's here. We're right on the cusp of winter. I can't believe it's here already. I can't believe that we're almost two years into the Rising Man podcast. We're about to celebrate our 100th episode next week. Time is crazy, man. I can't believe it. I'm always blown away by how time just continues to pass. And so before we get into this episode, as the winter season sneaks up upon us, I want to remind you of two very important and special opportunities. First, if you're not already a member of the Rising Man Fire Circle, go over to patreon.com slash rising man and check out what we're up to. We're a a legion of men across the globe who are capable of leading themselves and others who are living their lives on purpose by getting the support they need from men who get it period check out that video we've got over at patreon.com rising man and get yourself in immediately we've got over 50 men across the world now so be a part of it let's go Secondly, our next Compass group is being assembled as we speak. As I'm recording this, we're already at 50% capacity for our spring fast. If you haven't seen the promo video that my team put together, shout out to Rowan and Sean for doing all that. It's amazing. You got to see it. You got to check it out. We'll put up the link in the notes, but find it on my Instagram or on Facebook. It's everywhere right now. If you want to mark your passage into manhood and gain clarity on your life and purpose by communing with nature, this is the best way to do it. We'll even post the link for the application in the show notes as well so you guys can get yourself in the jet stream right away. Okay, our guest for today is another wonderful sister of mine, Sarah Poet. She is a soul doula, truth teller, modern healer, mother, writer, heretic, and guide. Sarah founded her coaching practice, Embodied Breath, as an authentic second career and true offering of heart and soul in 2017. After a successful career as a school leader, creator, social emotional educator, and mindfulness instructor, Sarah's services include trauma-sensitive conscious couples coaching, embodied intimacy, and honoring personal truth for individuals, couples, and organizations. She recently gave a TEDx on reclaiming the sacred masculine and feminine as a path to wholeness. We'll make sure we link that up for you guys in the notes as well. In this episode, Sarah gave us her definition of a man. A man embodies honor, especially towards women, while a boy is learning, playing, and defending. We discuss why men seek to acquire positions of power and why humans in general seek leadership positions in order to feel powerful. We also talked about how and why men give their power away. Where might this be happening in our lives without us even knowing it? And a pro tip, when approaching conversations across gender lines, always lead with curiosity. That's a $50 tip for you right there. We also brought up an important question, multiple questions. What happens after men's work? What happens after we've been in this conversation of being the men that we want to be? How do we as men and women come together and bridge the conversation? Sarah shared her thoughts on why small comments around shame and performance in early childhood can show up in adulthood and how the performance first mindset in our education system is damaging. We talked a lot about traumas and the experiences we have as children and how they follow us into adulthood if they're not addressed at some point. What is the mothering wound? Sarah explains this to us, a long-standing traditional belief or line of thought and emotion that both disrespects and leans on men. This is a big one for all of us to understand. In Sarah's words, just hold the space, simple love advice for men, how we can be the space, the container, the support that our women, our partners need, why urgency can destroy a relationship before it ever starts, and so much more goodness in this episode. Without further ado, Sarah Poet.
All right, all you risers out there, I've got another special guest here for today. A sister in the house, all the way from Asheville, North Carolina, Sarah Poet. So honored to have you here. Thank you for coming on. Hi, Teddy. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. Yes, yes. And as you and I were speaking about before we hit the record button, I think it's critical for men, women, males, females to start having this conversation across the across lines here because there's so much of men's work that is retreating into our space and and similar for women. So I'm glad to have you on here, especially with your background in education and so many of those beliefs we have about ourselves as men that are initiated and implanted as boys and especially in the educational system. I'm just so interested. I've got so many questions for you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Should we start from the beginning? Yeah. Let's start from the top. Awesome. Yeah. Do you want to hear about my time in education or do you want to start with the importance of the conversation now? I want to ask you a question I ask everybody. And that is, in your opinion, what is the difference between a boy and a man? Mm, A boy and a man. Right now, my answer gravitates toward a man knowing the honor of the feminine and how to honor women. How to honor women. That's actually how I'm, that's what I'm looking for right now in men. Yeah. Mm. The, the component and understanding and embodiment of honor. I like that. Especially that word honor. That's yeah. definitely, definitely one that rings true for me. So, so if that's yeah. what a man is or what you're looking for from men, then what is a boy? How do we define or delineate what a boy is? Hmm. I think a boy is learning. So I raise a 10-year-old son now. There's a lot of inquiry in boyhood. There's a lot of play and curiosity and not yet a lot of mastery, right? There's also a lot of defensiveness in boyness, you know, really wanting to lead and, and learn and prove what he knows, <laughs> referencing my son and the boys that I've worked with. And so there's like a standing by what he knows defensively without really being open to that inquiry and and humility, you know, that is manhood. I think boyhood is more defensive. Mm. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that. And so many, so many (laughs) men and a few women now have come on the show. And there seems to be a collective agreement that that defensiveness that is exhibited by boys. It's it, there's not a clear line or threshold that we cross where we're, there's a, there's a boy and here's a man. There's these boy and sure. man behaviors that it, it's more of a ratio than it is a clear separation. Right. Do, do you feel the same way? Yeah, I do. And I'm also thinking, well, I have some younger girl behaviors and then I have some wise woman behaviors, you know, like I vacillate as well. <laughs> yeah. It's almost, I'm sure in your work, you've come across different archetypal models for explaining and navigating masculinity. So you're familiar with King Warrior, Magician Lover, yeah. right? So there's, so they talk about light, light side and shadow side. I think there's actually two hemispheres because I think there's the, yeah. the king who's a man and there's also the king who's a boy. And I think of, I was just chatting with somebody the other day and we made a Game of Thrones reference because he was describing the boy. And I said, oh, so you're talking about Joffrey, that, that boy who comes into his kinghood who's not ready for it, right? Yes, right. I can't go there with you with the Game of Thrones. I'm so sorry. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, right. Just because it's positional doesn't mean that it's like earned or actuated, mm-hmm. right? Ooh, that's, let's talk a little bit more about that. I want to hear a little bit more about your okay. yeah, positional. That, 
you just go keep going in that direction because there's something interesting there. Uh huh. Yeah, there is. Well, I mean, we live in a world with positional power, you know, like hierarchical power, which is a patriarchal construct that someone knows more or has achieved a certain position. As a woman, I I played that game in climbing the career ladder for a long time, you know, like went to school, went to school again, got the job, got a better job, took on leader, leadership positions. And so I've, I've looked at leadership and positional power in my own personal inquiry quite a bit. We know that we live in a world where men are still likely to acquire those positions of power in the workplace and otherwise first, like before a woman. I think that acquiring the position of power maybe because of gender, like maybe because you're born a man, doesn't necessarily equate to having done the personal exploration or really having earned the position where respect is really able to be like given or, yeah, lent. Right. Mm-hmm. And as a woman, I think like from from my father forward, I was looking at, well, like, okay, that man has that position of power and sometimes over me, like whether it was father, religious figure, boss, right? But then I was I was always asking, well, why should I default respect to this person when maybe the respect isn't reciprocal? And so I think that I grew up asking that question sort of on a soul level. Like my soul was never content, not surprisingly, given the work that I'm here to do in the world that I recognize (laughs) now, you know, this like rebalancing sacred feminine, sacred masculine, you know, I was never content to just like give over power. And it's been like a lifelong journey of my own soul to really explore that. So, so at this point, I'm just not interested in saying like, oh, you're in a positional place of power, therefore you automatically get, you know, the assumption of, of having lived. Yes. <laughs> Does that make sense? Absolutely. It, ma- it makes a ton of sense. And I think it's good for men and women, every single one of us to be acknowledging how there are people that are given, give, just given authority that we as, uh, as sovereign human beings, we give our authority away, our power away to people without even inquiring. Why am I giving this person so much influence and authority over me in this part of my life? Right. So speaking from a woman's perspective, I, I love hearing that. And I know that yeah. there's a lot of the pendulum swinging all the way the other direction where it's like, well, down with the patriarchy, all men are bad. And that's also not constructive. Right. So when I think about it from a man's perspective, to in order to honor, you said as a woman, you're looking for honoring of the feminine. In order to honor, then I have to understand or begin to understand. I'll never fully understand what it's like to be a woman in this world. I know that. But the precursor to understanding for me is curiosity. Mm-hmm. What does the world look like through a woman's eyes? What what does it feel like to walk around in a city as a woman? Just that question alone. What does that feel like? And then um, a willingness to un- to be curious is is empathy. Like, wow, there's a human being who has a different experience than I do for many different reasons, including that she's a woman and I'm, and I'm a man. I identify as a male and she identifies as a female. So mm-hmm. I'm interested in the a female's perspective, maybe illuminating because like, you know, men and women listen to this podcast, but mostly men in their 20s and mm-hmm. 30s who may have never mm-hmm. really, really 
taking the time to think about what is the world look like through a woman's eyes? Right. Yeah. Thank you. So when you were talking about honor, you have a wife and children, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So just her experience, watching her give birth probably evoked in you this sense of awe and wonder and honor, I'm imagining. 100%. Because anybody who sees that, yeah, 100%. I think it's not that we have the exact same experiences, but that we do, like you were saying, come with curiosity. Like, what is that like for you? And how is our mutual, you know, survival, evolution, consciousness, like, how can we expand that together when we seek to understand Mm -hmm. rather than kind of doubling down on our personal narrative or our personal experiences, you know, in the work that I do with people, I work a lot with identifying the trauma story, you know, like we all have a story of, of the things that have happened to us. When we, when we look at how we're telling that story, we can continue to identify with that, like this person did that to me, or we can open the narrative and get curious about it. And so in this conversation right now between men and women, I think that there's a frequent reluctance to give that honor in both directions because it's like, well, I've been wronged, but wait, I've been wronged. You know, and so we're like, um, yeah, (laughs) we're a little bit defensive collectively and not yet ready to give it over. And so I think one of the really beautiful things is that we've got like these really in-depth programs for men's work and really beautiful women's circles and things like that. I'm also interested at the intersection, like where are we going to go when, like what's after the men's work? What's after the women's work? Mm. And how do we come back together in these really um, connecting conversations? Man, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. I'm excited about that too. I, I, I've thought of my, this is, this, to me, this is the, the beginnings of it, yeah. right? This is like the butt sniffing this stage. Is, like, is it safe over here? Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. <laughs> things are, yeah. It, it, is, it is safe because for a long time, speaking from a man's perspective, I have learned that sharing the full expression of my masculinity with a woman is not safe. And I've shared a lot of my own traumatic experiences here on the podcast before, but everything from just experiencing rage and anger as, a, as an adolescent and seeing the look in my mom's eyes of fear. I don't know what to do with this. And, and then just realizing, okay, well, that's not a safe place for me to go. Can't do that. It's a lot of right. unworking that has to happen there. And I do think that that's the future. It's like, okay, we've had enough of these conversations. I'm clear about the man that I am. I can step into a circle with women and men blended and share what's on my heart because I've gotten to that point where I know who I am. I don't look around. I I still experience those validation behaviors that I think all of us do, but it doesn't keep me from sharing my truth in a space with other people. And I think that's what we're all, what we're all aiming towards. And maybe that's really the, the indicator that says, okay, where someone is ready for this. Because if you step into a space and you're still trying to show people something that you're not, it's not authentic. We're not really connecting. And the other side of that is someone's got to go first. <laughs> like you said, that, that right. back and forth of, right. well, see me. No, you see me first and then I'll see you. No, you right. see me first. Right. Someone's got to go first. Yeah. Someone's got to go first. Yeah. We're doing it. We're doing it right now. And, you know, I really want to own that women <laughs> really need to have done a lot of personal work 
to be able to stand with a man who has also been doing that work, mm -hmm. right? It's not that women have this inherently figured out. We don't. And there's a lot of emasculation of men. There's a lot of like, I want to make him as emotional or sensitive, like in my way on the part of women. And yeah, so, so we need to come together in the in-between space and say, actually, this is how I want to talk about my emotions. I did a Facebook post today that was like, why don't you let him go to his men's group, do all of the emotional and emotional, you know, getting the emotions out and having the emotional conversations and then come home and tell you about the emotional experience in the language that he uses with his brothers and his men's work and let him blow your mind. Mm. You know, mm -hmm. like how amazing would that be? Like let him lead that conversation. Uh, can can so, I pause you there for a second? Because totally. I, I'm just like, I feel like I'm levitating hearing a woman speak about sending <laughs> the men, the man to, to his men's group and let him handle it over there. It's like, yes, that's, that's what, yes, that's, please. that's inherently what we want. That's inherently what we want is to okay, be sent and share there that. because to go there and to clear it enables me to come home and be the man that I want to be for my wife. Yeah. When I'm still emotionally charged and I feel unsafe my, myself, like I can't even take care of myself, my own stuff, then I don't feel, I know I'm not capable of showing up the way I want to for her. Right. Therefore, I don't even want to be here, you know? So, so that's backing, what I was just going to ask you. Yeah. Well, that's it. Back, How that manifests. Yeah. So feeling backed into a corner of no, share with me, tell me more. I want to feel it. And I know a lot of guys, they're like, well, do I just tell her? Because then the outcome is now their partner, my partner, someone's partner feels unsafe and is like, well, why did you tell me all that? Yes for it. Right. Yeah. And if she hasn't done her work, she can't handle that and she can't hold that space. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I feel like we're kind of working maybe backward in development. Like we went to the adult and then like, let's go back maybe to adolescent and boyhood and mother wound. Do it. Right. Yeah. Because if we have these unresolved issues with the mother or the archetype of the mother, then men are maybe more likely to want to be in the relationship pleasing. This is where we get a lot of like pleasing behaviors and, you know, tail between the legs sort of metaphor and and that's where like sitting down, talking about the emotions, like following her lead, just what do I have to do to please her and show her that I'm here for her. And, but it, it really takes away a lot of his inherent masculinity mm -hmm. and his ability to feel, which I think is what men get back in their, in men's work. I don't know. Men won't let me into men's work. So I don't know exactly what's going on in there, yeah. but that's what I get. That's what I gather. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I had a guest on the show a, a couple of weeks ago, Taylor, that I was telling you about, another Ashvillian. Yeah. And he yeah. he shared a story about being in kindergarten, show and tell. He wanted to share his penis because he thought that his penis was incredible. And he it was his turn. So he pulls it out and says, here's my penis. And he has a, a female teacher who, who knows, but shocked, obviously, doesn't know what to do with that, says, right. put that away. That's whatever version of that's inappropriate. That's not okay. Shame. Boom. Wound that never gets addressed, never gets spoken about all the way into adulthood. Now, that's one example of something that happens. Yeah. It doesn't take much and it doesn't even take malintent. No. A lot of these wounds are so innocently given right. to somebody so uh, from an educator's perspective and a, a female educator's perspective, how, navigating that territory of boyhood and what are your thoughts and opinions on that? 
oh my gosh, how long do we have? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, a, and a mother of a son, right? And so I was actually working in the very progressive charter school where my son started in kindergarten. He, he went into kindergarten and in kindergarten, there's a lot of creativity that's really valued and encouraged. They're not writing yet, but pretty soon they put the pencil in the hand and they say like, okay, now you need to start to stay inside the lines and perform and do it in this time frame and get it right, you know? And so when my son went to first grade, he was doing the creative acts, kind of similar to the story you were just saying, doing the creative acts on paper, drawing in the same ways, being really creative in the ways that he got praised from mom, dad, female kindergarten teacher. And then in first grade, it was like, what are you doing? Put that away and just perform. So then it became about performance. And he had a full PTSD reaction that took me like six months to figure out what had happened. Mm. And to this day, he has anxiety about completion and performance and will I be able to do this to their liking mm. to the point where sometimes he doesn't even start. Mm. And so that, that I think is so common in our education system, you know, for any gendered human, but there is just one way to know things or succeed in things. And then you start getting evaluated with a grading system based on how well you've incorporated that knowledge and spit it back out. Mm. So, you know, I always worked in middle school and high school with all gendered humans, but uh, that age group in adolescence is amazing. And I started and ended my education career working in all male schools. Mm. So when I started like back at 20, 21 years old, I worked in a school where the males were removed from public school and put into an adventure ed program. And we were able to do a lot of hands-on work. I built greenhouses with the kids and farmed with them because, you know, I found, oh, okay, if a boy has purpose, if he knows his like job today, if he knows that he has a place in this community, he's going to show up. So I learned to get out of the way and give more responsibility, really instill a lot of trust mm -hmm. in the kids that along the way people had told them over and over and over again that they just weren't trustworthy. You know, like give me the kid who's stolen his whole life and I'm going to be like, you are in charge of this valuable thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> because it. like somebody's got to believe in him, right? Totally. I, I want to intercede there yeah. for a second because sure. I, I was the archetypal golden good boy in, in growing up like I, I at some young age I learned that oh if I do everything that everybody asks me to then I'm approved of appreciated and acknowledged so that was my survival mechanism and that's one branch of the tree mm -hmm. but especially the trouble not even troubled kids I don't even like that terminology but I know that's the context that they're held in the kids who don't obey that don't just fall into line that don't do as they're told you know they're given all these labels the the trouble the kid who causes trouble the bad kid even even in those progressive schools I'm going to call out all the progressive schools because everybody knows that the kid who gives everybody the most difficulty is labeled as oh so and so is is here now oh great there there even if it's not spoken there's that energy around and kids can feel it so kids can feel it and boys can feel let's just debunk that right now <laughs> yeah, like in a big way 
these boys can feel it in a big, big way. And yeah, and I was a principal in one of those really progressive schools. And I'll just say that I was criticized as the principal because, you know, boys are disproportionately disciplined. And so they would be sent to my office, but like, here's a boy without a dad. Here's a boy, you know, who's got a younger sibling crying all night long and he's partially responsible for taking care of that sibling. Here's a boy who doesn't have any food to bring to school, you know? And so I'm like, well, let's, let's look at the the problem, like the holistic problem Mm -hmm. and not just add more punishment, you know, or discipline. Mm -hmm. So I worked hand in hand with the school counselor and it was, it was a steady model, but it was still what you're describing. Yeah. And it's, I I get it. I don't think there's a, there's not a switch that we turn off and it's that same model we talked about working backwards from honoring, receiving honor, honoring from the masculine uh, to receive honoring from the feminine. It's the same process, right? It's that the willingness to understand the curiosity, the empathy, like, wow, here is this boy who has all of this energy and determination and willpower and is figuring out what to do with it. That must be really challenging for a four, five, six, seven, eight-year-old boy. And right. to be told to get into line where that doesn't make sense. That, that makes sense to us as adults, but line ups, you know, stand in formation, those are not implicit innate human qualities. <laughs> it's not right, right. You know. And I just want to say, you know, unless the school is really doing their their due diligence around this topic, you know, how to raise young men and understanding masculinity is not necessarily something that's like on the agenda for professional development in right. schools, mm-hmm. unless it is really a part of the mission, mm-hmm. which is so unique and so beautiful. And there's thankfully some curriculum developing around these things, mm-hmm. but it's not something that we're conscious of and we have mostly female teachers mm. still. And so these things are just subconsciously, unconsciously being perpetuated. Let's work our way forward from that because we, we started yeah. ahead. We worked our way back. Yeah. Now we're, now we're yeah. honing in on the majority of educators for boys at a young age are female. And there's some really great ones. Yeah. I want to shout out my, my son's teacher, Kelly, with the Wilderness Youth Project here in Santa Barbara. She she gets boys and she loves it. She loves the the she really appreciates boyness boyhood and 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 empowers that in a healthy way with boundaries and they respond amazingly to her my wife and I are just like how do you how do you do that with these guys it's incredible yeah so they're they're out there and I also know that that's that's not the norm and we still have a trend where most educators at that age are female so how can female educators show up differently and even us as a, as a whole community, how can we find the solution together? Mm, I love that. I think seeking to understand and just, I mean, doing a little bit of reading around it, like read Iron John, (laughs) you know, like Mm. know that there is, there are these stages in development in boyhood that are happening. They're biological and we need to be honoring them and creating programs and outlets for them. You know, here in Asheville, we have a program that starts at 12 years old that is a rite of passage for adolescent boys. Now my son's 10 and a half. He needs it now. Mm -hmm. And so I'm actually looking at putting him in an all boys school with mostly male staff because like every week is a rite of passage, you know, they're doing the adventure programming. So yeah, I think, you know, on the daily seeking to understand boys. So I think that this kind of lends to maybe 
a bridge topic back to the mother wound that we'd mentioned before. But I think it's really pretty important that we understand what that is and how it affects both boys and girls, um, men and women. So is it okay if I talk about that for a moment? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. As a woman who had been in education for, for some time, who had been married to a man and we got divorced when my son was five years old. But, you know, what my mother had taught me about being a wife or being, being in relationship with a man was that, you know, things like he was probably going to get it wrong, probably going to have to take charge and clean things up. You know, he probably wasn't going to provide for the family as well. Just constant from my mother and her mother, constant derogatory comments around the men that they chose to stay married to. And so I actually grew up thinking that men were somehow less than. Like it was subconscious, but it was in there, right? And so I doubted the man that I was married to. I did not believe that he was going to show up. And it was like so fulfilling Mm -hmm. the whole thing because I was inherently emasculating. And he was like, calling me out on that. Now, when I got divorced, I went into therapy and I was like, I never want to be that woman again. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, and then I recognized this wounding that had been passed down from the mother line that was really disrespectful of men mm-hmm. and masculinity. Meanwhile, still being dependent on it. Mm-hmm. Right. So in this thinking and this line of thinking as a woman. And I'm, and I'm explaining this because I also want your male listeners to hear like how this happens sure. in the psyche of a woman in our modern day. Like this is the default. I'm pretty sure. It was my default and it's pretty common. I had to undo that, that learning, but that's essentially what the mother wound is. So when, when women are perpetuating onto their husbands and their sons that men are not going to show up. You know, these beliefs, like you are responsible for my emotions, but you're probably going to let me down. Those kinds of beliefs. You're responsible for making sure that all of the work is done and I'm going to evaluate the hell out of you after you've attempted to do your job. Mm. You know, those kinds of beliefs and actions on the part of women that, you know, be it school teacher, be it mother, be it wife, because so many women are perpetuating this wounding onto their, their married partners. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know, maybe you have a question there, but I really wanted to illustrate just how that gets passed down to women. And then like, we, we don't know that we're doing it until we wake up. This like, you better behave. Yeah. <laughs> Mental, you know. Absolutely. And I think most of us as men don't realize that that's happening either. I think it's two sides. Women don't realize that they're doing it. Right. And men have no idea that it's happening. It doesn't feel good uh, intuitively on an instinctual level. You're like, what is that? And one day you wake up and realize, oh my God, she's being my mom. Yeah. I don't want you to be my mom. And and then there's there's that pushing back against the mother archetype that ends up destroying a lot of relationships that have some of these expressions that you're describing. So a lot of relationships. So we're indoctrinating the kids into that, like from school age forward, you know, be it school teacher, be it mother, young boys are learning to please the woman, the mother. Yeah. And it's, it's a perfect bait because the thing that every man I've ever met 
regardless of what he's done in his past, all he wants to do on a heart soul level is be of service. Yeah. To be valuable, to be useful to the people around him. Like that's that to me that's the definition of masculine love is being of service. And when we don't feel like we can win, when we don't feel like we can actually give our gift and be appreciated for it, not like we need to be put on public display with trophies and banners and parades, but just to be acknowledged that we ha- we bring value to our family, to our community, to our relationship. Right. Then we don't even want to show up. Right. It's like, well, why would I bother doing that? Because there's nothing. In, there's nothing in it for me. Right. And value beyond providing. Value beyond yeah. behavior. Right. Mm-hmm. So back to your question about school teachers. Like, what can school teachers do in this moment? Praise a boy or honor a boy for who he is on the inside, mm-hmm. not what he has performed today. Yeah. And, and we've used yeah. we've used this spectrum of education model and education system because that's been your background but really if we substitute the words it's it's how can we support boys from any angle yeah every single boy needs that even from from men also to be acknowledged to be praised when we're really seeing them in their in their full healthy expression of themselves and then not not necessarily a correcting but a redirection when they're doing something that's coming from a wounded place or an attention grabbing attention seeking place to help them formulate their beliefs around that in a healthy way. It's a lot of work and energy to pay that much attention to it as a parent, right. as a mentor, yeah. it, it's a lot of effort and energy. So we, we've got to be committed to it. It's the long game. Yes, it is. It is a long game. Yeah. So I work with couples for 90 days and we look at some of this patterning and a lot of the time it's this like gender related stereotype related patterning so you know she could be wanting him to change like this is a really common dynamic wanting him to change and almost scolding him for his behavior mm-hmm. you know and so he's just trying to show up just trying to show up and so we actually unpack these patterns like on the energetic on the behavioral level mm-hmm. And I coach women and I'm like, actually, you're not right about this, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Like, actually, we've spoken over him now for a long time. Let's let him say what's needed. And a lot of the time I hear from men, you know, I want to be praised for something other than how much money I bring home. Or I want to be praised for something other than how much work I got done on the to-do list. Mm-hmm. Like, I want you to be happy with me. Mm-hmm. And I had a, a man recently say, you know, I want to be praised as a father, not as a provider. Mm. Like the value of what he brings to his children. He wanted that acknowledged and he didn't feel like that had ever been acknowledged. Yeah. And going all the way back full circle to the conversation around men and women coming together. To me, the price of admission into that circle is, is giving up our desire to be right or our need to be right. Thank you. To be able to step into that space purely with curiosity. And I don't, I don't need to, my way. My beliefs don't need to be the way. Right. They may be a way. They may be part of the conversation, but a willingness to discover, to learn something about yeah. ourselves, our partners, the opposite sex, gender, energetic, whatever we call it. Because if we step into a space and we need to be right in order to feel good, in order to feel safe, the conversation's over before it began. Right. Which requires a lot of safety. So how do we bring, how do we help create 
a safe container mm-hmm. with and for one another. Yeah. So go yeah. You, you go first. <laughs> tell us how Ooh. we tell us how we create a safe container for for women and maybe your thoughts on what that would is for men. Mm. Well, so I work when I work with folks, I work with them like at a nervous system level and we go into awareness of breath and body. And you know, if we're if we're not feeling safe, then we're contracting in breath and body. We're holding our breath somewhere and we're contracting in our body somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm doing intimacy work with people, whether that's vulnerable share or whether that's actual, you know, bod embodied like sex intimacy work, we're not moving forward if there's a contraction. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I do a lot of work with folks like standing in front of one another or using a nonverbal exercise to go through creating that safety. Mm-hmm. And you, I mean, you know this, but so many people are intimate on a daily basis, even like rubbing body parts together, but don't actually feel safe with one another. Mm-hmm. Like their bodies are contracted and they're going forward anyway. Mm-hmm. And this is not how we need to do it. We need to back way up and learn this the safety in breath and body. And it's really beautiful. And, and I, I'll share with this audience that as a woman who was doing my own trauma work, it was not until relating with a dear, dear soulmate and friend on an intimate, physically intimate level that I learned the space of safety that a man could create. Because in my past, there had been a lot of trauma related to men. Mm -hmm. And so this man, this brother, this lover would just hold the space. I give this little tip to every, all of your listeners, just hold the space, just be safe in breath and body. And if she is not there yet, you know, like do not go toward her with, with the force of the masculine or, you know, with a convincing energy or anything like that. But if a man is able to stay in that steadiness and she wants to be there, like he can help to acclimate her system because every woman's got trauma in her system. Mm-hmm. Every woman, pretty much. And so he can help her to acclimate to safety, which is such a beautiful gift of masculinity. Mm-hmm. So that, that would be the emotional regulation that is learned in men's circles and men's groups. Like, how do you get those emotions out? How do you regulate your own system so that when you come back home to your woman, Mm -hmm. you are steady and safe? Yeah. And also coming from a genuine space of service, because to hold that space that you're speaking of really requires, I'm going to put you and your safety as the priority. I'm not going yes. to worry about my needs, my desires, especially in a in a sexually intimate environment. It's very easy for those hormones to take over and grab the steering wheel and say, hey, it's go time. Let's make it happen. Let's do it. Yeah, right. This is a different kind of intimacy. Yep. Completely. And it requires a lot of what you said, you know, clearing the clearing out that space and letting all those traumas and things from our past come to the surface and literally creating space within ourselves so that we can be that for other people and have clarity around how we want to show up. What is your intention right. in that relationship? Right. I think that there's a big global collective pressure to come to relationship having done your work or, you know, having cleared out those wounds. Well, where like, are all the conscious men at? I mean, come happen. on, like, right. It's like, there's like, it's, <laughs> yeah. how many posts do you have to see about that? Where's all the conscious guys at? They're in process. <laughs> yeah. They're waiting. Yeah. They're like doing their men's work and yeah, they're waiting for us to stop saying that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
safe to come out yet. <laughs> is it still hailing out here or is it? <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So what creates that safety, you know, for men to want to want to be in that kind of shared vulnerable space? Yeah. I'll speak. I'll speak for me personally, because I, I happen to be in a relationship with an amazing woman who's done a ton of her own work. And I think it's the only reason that we can experience the level of intimacy and trust and to withstand the things we've gone through in the past seven years of relationship together. And. I'm six years younger than her, and when she met me, I was 25 years old. I was very much in the middle of my coming to the end of my knighthood, stepping into my young princehood. I knew I wanted to, I knew who I wanted to be as a provider and what it kind of looked like outside of me, but I had no idea how I was going to do that myself. And I had nothing but confidence in that I would get there someday. I just didn't know how or when, and a level of patience from her, recognizing that there was something she believed in me. And something she loved about me, just exactly where I was, willingness to to knowing what she signed up for, knowing that she signed up for a younger guy who was going to have to hack his way through the weeds a little bit. I mean, I wasn't lost when I got into a relationship with her. I don't think she would have been on board for that. But I didn't have a clear compass point. I didn't know exactly how I was going to start building my kingdom. Even at the time I met her, I had a I had a job where I could provide for her. But I didn't, or I had a, a skill set I could provide for, but I didn't actually have a job in that moment. So there was a lot of trust and, and a patience for my process. And I think that that is what I see lacking in a lot of relationships is women wanting guys to be there right now. And if you're not here right now, then I'm going to go find somebody who is because I need that now. The urgency can, can destroy the possibility of a, of a relationship that can grow together. Right. And, you know, if, if a woman is truly saying that she's, she's just projecting what she's projecting her masculinity probably within herself and like wanting that man to prove to her anyway, it's her work to do. Yeah. <laughs> it's our work to do. Yeah. You know, I did it. I did it myself mm-hmm. as a woman for sure. projected that in our masculinity. But what I want to lift up that I heard you say was that you you were committed to a conscious path mm-hmm. and and you weren't afraid to talk about it mm-hmm. and you were living it i hope that you know men in their 20s and 30s are more comfortable than like the the brothers in the 40s 50s like that was really a generation where it was not okay to be vulnerable right like hopefully we are rewriting that story and it's more and more okay to be vulnerable as a man Mm -hmm. but you know i heard you say i'm on a path you know Mm -hmm. it's really a pretty common even here in this progressive town where I live in, where a man will join a men's group, go to a weekend where he does a bunch of shadow work and come out and actually say things like, I have cleared this wound. I am. It's almost like, like a checklist, like I'm done. And I just want to say, it's a path and we're never done. <laughs> like, it's, there's some sweet like pull-offs on the path, some sweet spots. <laughs> And like the soul is ever evolving. And so I think to, you know, when I hear you embrace that evolution and model that evolution, Jetty, I say thank you. Mm. Well, I appreciate that acknowledgement. And what that illuminates yeah. for me is I hear a man say that even, even the need to declare that out loud is, is more of that boy proving behaviors. Like now I've did it. 
I'm ready. Don't, don't witness right. this in me that I right. cleared that trauma because the most integrated, the most of I'm not even evolved. I don't want to say evolve, but the, the guys who've done the most work recognize that they're just beginning. That it's only they don't beginning. need to say anything. They, exactly, yeah. they walk into the room and they actually, the, the, yeah, the guys who've done the most are actually the most quiet. And when they speak, it's like thunder, and it's a, it's a moment of it, and it's, it hits so hard because there's way more value in listening than there is just speaking and telling people with our words how we are versus just experience my presence and watch what I do. Right. Much less to prove. Yeah. It's interesting because it's it's definitely that dance that goes back and forth. If, you know, as we're coming to a close on this conversation, what I'm coming away with learning is that it is a dance back and forth. And if we care about collective growth, you know, there's a lot of talk about personal development, personal growth. If we care about collective development, collective growth, then there has to be a give. There's got to be a give. There's got to be another level of patience, another level of listening, another level of curiosity in order for us to get there and for that to be reciprocated that's what that's where this is something that you can't do it by yourself yes do your work but recognize that your work our work is not done in a vacuum it's not it's not all done in solitude you can't go up into the mountains by yourself for 10 years and reintegrate to a community and just be all there it's we're relational beings so just a healthy reminder in that and a lot of great tips for for the guys out there and understanding what's happening in the in the opposite side of the circle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, coming together and listening to one another's experience, you know, and just really knowing and acknowledging that when we come to these conversations, at this point, there's going to be charge, right? We're coming with all of the things that have happened in our lives. We're coming with emotion. There's going to be charge. There's going to be difficulty in this next phase of relating between men and women, but, but we've got to go there. Mm-hmm. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. I like that. I like I like yeah. coming into the conversation, already owning what I'm bringing in there. You know, not not pretending that oh yeah, I'm coming in squeaky clean. I've done it all. It's behind me. But hey, this is something that's that's present for me. That's that's high level stuff. And yeah, it's very disarming too. When you hear somebody own it their is. stuff, it's yeah. it allows everybody to drop a level deeper. Right. Right. Yeah. I've I. I'm never done on the work, I swear. I, I just keep doing it. And the, the more I do, the more I'm like, I'm just asking questions at this point. You know? <laughs> Maybe a year ago, I had much more to say to men about what they should do or this is the way it is or something like that. And now I'm like, whoa, what's your experience? Here's mine. You yeah. know? And I really want to encourage us to come together in that inquiry and uh, with, with way less to prove. Heck yeah. yeah I lo- we don't have it figured out yet. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what I was looking for. That's what I was looking for when I was in my mid twenties. Uh, and what I've realized to this point is that curiosity is king and queen. Curiosity is, is the point of the arrow that, that leads to, to truth and understanding. So I really appreciate witnessing a woman like yourself who's leading with that. And yeah, just really inspired and definitely wanting to know more. I always come to the end of these conversations like, ah, but I, I want to know more about who you are <laughs> and what your beliefs are about yeah. all this stuff because uh, it's, it's great to have allies in the field of what we're doing. And if we really zoom out, yes. if we really zoom out, this is about setting our children in the future generations with a better starting point than we got. Not that we all had it terrible, but just that 
how much of this is unnecessary and what can we actually do when that's cleared off the table? Right. And I, I want to say there, just because in the, in the collective field, in my experiences lately, there's been a lot of disappointment, my own included as a mother, when I thought I was coming to this differently with a different consciousness and a, and a different intention. And, and then I'm experiencing that his experience is not all healed, right? It's, it's not perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I'm laughing at myself. Yeah, I think as parents, you know, we are, every generation is so important and we are doing our best and we're going to see these things play out in our children. And I can tell you what, it's, it's heartbreaking, you know, to see my son and to watch myself sometimes, like probably more often than I really want to admit, perpetuate this mother wound, Mm -hmm. like onto him. You know, I'm in our home it's, it, I'm a single mom with a son. And so there's a lot of the like masculine feminine dynamic that's, that's just not playing out when there's like not a man here in this home with him. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so like I'll perpetuate the mother wound, even though I know these things. I'm like, drat, you know, I just did that thing. I just watched that little boy sink because of what I was ill-equipped to be with in that moment. And so... Yeah, I encourage us to like just keep being real and keep showing up and knowing that it's we're undoing generations and generations of of deep deep programming. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think curiosity and patience patience <laughs> go hand in hand there. So, I appreciate everything that you spoke to and yeah, shared. Thank I, you. I do want to ask you some lightning style questions right before we wrap up here at the end and then you can tell us all about where we can follow you and find more about what you're doing. You up for that? Yeah, wonderful. Sure. All right. So what is one thing you wish you learned back when you were 18 years old that you know now? Specifically in relation to men or no? No, just life. Mm, That I could follow what called me and find my fulfillment right there. I didn't have to please everybody else. Mm, Yeah, I would have loved to hear that too at 18. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Okay. I gave up a lot at 18. So yeah, it's been a long way back. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So this is specific as a woman. What do do you believe women need more of from men? I think that that safe presencing, going and doing your men's work and then coming home knowing who you are and safely presencing with her. Nice. And what is one message you have for men about women, either informing us or reminding us maybe about women? One message for men about women. Mm-hmm. We love you. <laughs> yeah, that's an important one. <laughs> Try to remember that when we're, we feel like we're getting slung with daggers all over the place. But that's, it is. It's love. And love looks like a lot of different things sometimes. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At the heart, we love you and we need you. Like, we need you. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Awesome. And last but not least, how can the good people out there follow you, find you, get to know you more, experience your work? Hit us with all the info. Thank you. Yeah, my my practice is called Embodied Breath and my website is yourembodiedbreath.com. I have a TEDx coming out right about now on the topic of the feminine and masculine integrated within each of us. Mm-hmm. So check that out. And yeah, all the information about my couples work, my blog, I write for the Good Men Project. So I'm out there. Embodied Breath and Sarah Poet on Facebook. Awesome. Yes. Thank make you. sure you guys go check her out. I got a sneaky peek at your TEDx talk, which was incredible. So make sure you guys go and check it out. We'll put all those links in the show notes and uh, look forward to connecting with you again in the future. And thank you. Thank yes. you. Thank you for all the beautiful work 
you're doing. Thank you. Thank you for the beautiful work you're doing. And thanks to all of your listeners who are in this work as well. Amazing. Yes, yes. Keep going. Beautiful sister. Well, until next time. Man, I always learn so much from having the ladies come on the show as guests. (laughs) I mean, the original wisdom keepers, man, these, these ladies, they've got so much to offer. And, you know, it's funny because in men's work, in men's circles, a lot of time it's rooms and containers full completely with men. And we're trying to figure out relationships. We're trying to figure out how to be with the feminine, how to be with women. And there ain't any women around. <laughs> it's, it's not very logical. So I appreciate the way that Sarah speaks to how we need to come together. We need to start bringing these conversations. Yes, we need our spaces for men to do men's things and for women to do what women got to do. But to be able to come together, to bridge the gap between those conversations, that's really the next step. That's really where I'd like to see us get to in my time, in our generation, that we not only do we take care of ourselves and each other as men and women, but we cross those lines. We step into circles together. That's the only way it's gonna happen. It's the only way it's ever gonna work. It's the only way that we can pass on something meaningful to our children. So whatever that takes, however you can bridge the gap between you and the feminine, whether it's the feminine within you or the feminine around you, find a way to do that. Think about that today. Carry that consciousness with you. Carry that awareness with you into your day and see where you may or may not be engaging with and honoring the feminine in your life food for thought while you're pondering that make sure you guys go ahead and sign up for the rising man fire circle at patreon.com slash rising man we want to get as many men in there as we possibly can our goal is to build a network of men all across the world so that we can start having these regional events u.s canada australia wherever you guys are at my goal is within the next couple of years we're coming out there and we're doing events with guys who've been in the fire circles you know really having that belly to belly in-person contact with each other that's so powerful so get started become the leader that you need to be so you can be one of these pillars in your community of men get that training get that experience and connect with a bunch of awesome men by joining the rising man fire circle again patreon.com slash rising man also if you're feeling the call to fast in the desert for four days and four nights marking your passage into manhood and clarifying your purpose make sure you fill out the compass application before seats fill up for our spring 2020 crew we're going to drop the application here in the show notes as well and you can find it all over the shows the socials now so Go ahead and check it out. Show notes for links and resources are always up at the risingmanpodcast.com. Julian Subic, my man, holding it down heavy with that each and every week. Please subscribe and follow us wherever you're listening to the podcast. Hit it with a heart, hit it with a like, hit it with those five star ratings if you think we deserve it because we want to know what you think of the rising man. We want to know what you are getting from what we're talking about. This is for us as men. This is for all of us. This is for you. So tell us what you need. Tell us what we can do better. Tell us what we're already doing great so that we can keep giving you more of that good good. Check us out on Instagram at Rising Man Movement. Shout out to the rest of my power team that I haven't mentioned already. Rowan Tyne, Sean Offenbach, the two of you guys putting together that amazing Compass promo video. Thank you for your hard work. And Mark Rose, our head fire chief in the fire circle. You guys do an incredible work. Until next time, rise up and claim your destiny. Thank you.